episode of the Keen on Yoga podcast is sponsored by Moments, the booking system we use and highly recommend. Moments allows you to set up classes, workshops, courses, retreats, and appointments, either online, in-person, or hybrid. You can take payments using Stripe and PayPal, and the Zoom integration means that clients will automatically receive their link to join. It's easy for you and for your customers. Moments is great for solo teachers right up to studios with multiple sites. If you do run a studio, the staff payroll feature allows you to manage teacher payments and more. The robust reporting and time-saving automations will save you hours on admin. It really does take care of the whole business side for you. The excellent team at Moments will help you set up or migrate from any other system. And best of all, they offer real support via phone, live chat, and email. They really are there to help whenever you need them. Right now, Keen on Yoga listeners can get a free two-month trial for Moments. Click the link in the description below or visit keenonyoga.com forward slash moments, M-O-M-E-N-C-E, to sign up and give it a go. You'll be glad you did. If you have any questions about Moments, feel free to drop us a line at info at keenonyoga.com or by a message on any of our social channels. And now, on to the episode. So today on Keen on Yoga, we have Gerald and Linda from Ashtanga Yoga Paris, the first Ashtanga Yoga Center that opened in Paris. Um, I think, when was it? In you'll be better than me to remember this, 2000 and early 2000s? In 2004. I started yeah. teaching in Paris in 2002, but really opened a special space in 2004. Yeah. Incredible. I to think, you know. classes at a friend of mine's um, studio from 2002. Right. And uh, how, so how, how, I mean, Ger- uh, Gerald's French, uh, a French native, but Linda is originally from Canada. So if we just go, you know, and they're, they're a couple, husband and wife. So if we just go uh, individually through your stories, then uh, Linda, if you just want to say first, how you got into the yoga, because you have a really interesting story about how you met it in, uh, I think it was in New York, was it? Um, actually in Toronto, I was living right. in Toronto and I was just walking down the street. I was working in the fashion business and I ran into a friend of mine and she just said, oh, I just came back from a yoga class. And I don't know why it's just very strange because I was just like, okay, I've got to do that. And, you know, she didn't explain anything about it, but somehow just that word yoga attracted me. So I went directly to the place and signed up. And that Sunday, I started taking yoga classes. It was a gentle class. It was uh, with Ron Reed. It was a Hatha yoga class. And then um, after a while, I was just like, okay, I think I need a second class because once a week didn't, uh, you know, you feel good for a couple days. It was Sunday. And then a few days later, it's like, oh, I really need that yoga again. So then I decided I was going to go Wednesday evenings. And so I started Wednesday evenings. And the class right after, I mean, sorry, right before my class, was an Ashtanga class. And after the class, they would open the door and there was this big steam come out. And I was just like, wow, what what the heck are they doing in there? And the teacher, her name was Diane Bruni. She told me I should try her class. And I I don't know, I just really wasn't into it. It seemed too sporty. I'm not a, I was never a sporty person. People don't believe me when I say this, but... Yoga was different than sport. 
script. And, um, and so she convinced me and I went ahead and I tried it. And at the end of the class, she comes up to me, you know, she was this, you know, really cute, beautiful woman. And she's like, so how, how did you like it? And my answer was, I hated it. <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, try again. And I'm like, okay, because it was full primary class. You know, she I put know. me, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. married, I had my legs behind my neck. She put me, you oh. know, in the tortoise pose and then she walked away. And I remember just like, okay, now what am I supposed to do? You know, I was like pinned to the ground with my own legs, basically. You know, so I went back to that class and slowly, you know, after you kind of get into the routine, then I really enjoyed it. And she was just fixed on getting me to be, uh, you know, an Ashtangi. And so hmm. she invited me to her house where Danny Paradise and Ron Reed were doing the advanced series. And she had me watch this. It was just me, Danny's girlfriend, and Diane and, and Ron. And I'd only been doing Ashtanga, I don't know, maybe like a month, five weeks, something like this. And uh, after that, I was just like, yeah, okay, this is, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, and so then I started doing some Mysore with Ron. Mm. He had another room and very soon then I moved to New York and um, Ron had suggested I practice with Eddie so I was already actually before I moved to New York I'd seen Eddie many times I went to every time I went to New York I went to practice with him um, and you know kind of just it went really fast you know like first one day a week a few weeks later two days a week a few weeks later six days a week you know just, hmm. And when you practice like that, you just like, mm. you know, everything, your whole life changes, your body changes, your mind changes um, really quickly. So, yeah. But you, I mean, was, you had another then, uh, a profession, didn't you? You were in the fashion industry, so you didn't come to yoga that young, really. You must have been in your 30s, right? When you, I was uh, 27. When I oh, okay, right, right. Yeah. So still fa I fairly lucky to get in young. serious... Yeah. 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 Mm -mm. So I was like, but I was traveling a lot and, you know, I had an important job and, but, uh, it was still, yeah, it was, it was important to me. It became really important to me. And then every evening I was reading the yoga sutras or Buddhist talks and doing meditation and, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it was transformative. Yeah. How did it shift from your from your regular job and and not being off put by this crazy demonstration of the advanced series and and continue you know and excited by it and continuing practice to develop to becoming a yoga teacher and try, how did that transition happen for you? Because it's always an interesting kind of juncture of people's lives when they decide you know that they're on one trajectory and they kind of kind of like completely jump ship as it were and go to you know to doing something completely different with their lives. Yeah, and I was pretty into the fashion business, you know? Mm, mm. My life was all around all my friends, everybody, you know, everything I did. But, um, well, Diane, from the beginning, she told me that I'm going to teach yoga. And uh, I think I already told you that, like, uh, when she told me this, I thought, yeah, right, I'm going to be the president of Calvin Klein, you know? Like, I, I had no desire at all 
teach yoga. You know, that just, it was, I don't know where she even saw that. I asked her years later, you know, what was that? Why did you say this to me? And she, she said it was just obvious. So I don't know what she saw that I couldn't see. And then, um, you know, because when you're practicing so intensely and not only, I think it wasn't just the physical practice because I was really investigating, I was doing self-inspection, reading and meditating on what I was reading. And so it was changing me, I think, from the inside. And, um, and when I was young, I always thought that if I got this kind of power position and I had, you know, like a certain amount of money, prestige and all this, that this was going to make me somebody, right? And then I realized that that wasn't really making me somebody. You know, it was this shell, you know, I had the right look and the right shell for it all. But inside, I was still this person that was suffering from, you know, lots of things from childhood and, and all that. So whereas the yoga was what really helped, like, so getting the shell was interesting, but, and, you know, it was exciting and all that, but it didn't change me on the inside, whereas yoga was doing this. And so um, at some point I was starting to feel kind of disappointed in my role in the fashion world. I was feeling like um, I wasn't really doing something of meaning. You know, and I hate to say that because people out there in the fashion business, uh, you know, I think everybody has the right to do whatever gives them meaning. And, you know, now as somebody who's been teaching for a long time, I can recognize that you can have a lot of meaning in any job you do. But that was just my path that I really needed to change and do something that I felt gave me more meaning and sharing this uh, yoga um, philosophy and lifestyle and um, practice was something that was going to give me more meaning, you know, to really help people instead of getting them to have nice clothes. But, you know, nice clothes aren't bad either, you know, like, you know, just like yeah. at the time, it was just like, okay, well, nice clothes uh, are, you know, I was working in high fashion, so it was kind of artistic and all this. Um, but, you know, a deeper meaning. And so this is really what made me change. And I was supposed to go back. I was living in Paris for my job and I was supposed to go back to New York. My two year, you know, stint was coming to an end. And I was just like, you know, I think this is where I should stay and try to introduce this yoga because there wasn't, there was so little yoga in Paris. And I was shocked, you know, coming from New York mm. where, you know, there's still community, it's a very strong community. And so that's what I did. And I started to build a small community and, you know, and slowly, slowly this uh, emerged and, Let's talk about yeah. the, uh, the how how you started Ashtanga Yoga Paris. But first, I'm going to ask uh, Gerald for his uh, his start of uh, yoga because it's very different to yours. Um, I know for a fact, having read some yeah. really interesting stuff, that Gerald met Patabi Joyce uh, very early on in the in the 80s. Right? Was that right? Uh, no, early 90s. Uh, the first okay. time I, I went to my school was the uh, end of 91. 
Um, and I remember well because um, it was in November because um, after I started, um, his, um, his um, granddaughter uh, got married, you know, and there was this big ceremony with the marriage and, you know, for like four or five days, you know, eating and blah, blah, blah. And there was no yoga class at the time. So I was a bit bummed out because I had just started this practice and I was just like, wow. And then we stopped for like four or five days, you know, just to eat. And, uh, you know, like there was like all the ceremonies, you know, like the Indians do. And so I, that's why I remember very well when I started because it was Shami, Shami's um, wedding, um, Sharad's sister who got wed, wed, you know, at the time. Mm. So. Mm. so, yeah, it was end of, of 91, yeah. So I started... Um, I had started yoga by myself with a book while I was traveling. You know, I was traveling in Southeast Asia with a, you know, with a backpack, like early nineties, uh, you know, and um, I mean, end of the eighties, early nineties. And then uh, I got into yoga in Thailand, actually in Kopangam. That's where I took my first yoga class. It was not Ashtanga, it was uh, Shivananda yoga. And um, I was really impressed because the teacher, he was an American guy and he was probably in his fifties. And what he was doing, he was, uh, he was doing the poses, demonstrating the poses, and then we had to do them, you know? And I was amazed because I, I was like, you know, early 30, maybe, yeah, 30. And he was like probably like 25 years older than me. And uh, I couldn't do anything that he was doing, you know? I was amazed, you know? And it was soft yoga, but after like uh, two hours, you know, I felt really, really good, you know? Because at the time as well, I was not very, I didn't have a very healthy, lifestyle you know i was smoking i was drinking partying you know like you know 25 you know 30 you know what people do usually so anyway i was not very healthy and um yeah after the yoga class i felt really good so then um this guy his name was troy he recommended a book to me uh, at the end of the class you know i went there a couple of times and I asked him a book about yoga and he recommended this book from uh, Swami Vishnu Devananda called The Complete Illustrated Book of Yoga. And uh, during my travel in Kathmandu, I managed to find that book in a second, second-hand uh, bookstore, you know. And I was like, wow, this is the book that uh, this guy recommended. So I bought the book, I read it, and uh, I was just like, wow, this is, this is you know, it, it talked about yoga philosophy, and at the end of the, the book, there was um, some pictures, you know, and he gave some like sequences of uh, poses to do, you know. So I was really happy and uh, I started to do yoga by myself, you know, in my room every day doing my little sequence. And then I did that for a couple of years. And in the end, I was just like, okay, now I started to be really into yoga and I was looking for kind of a teacher. And I heard, you know, while I was traveling, I met a few people who told me about this teacher in India. I had never been in India. And um, people told me about this teacher in South India that was really good, Patabi Joyce. But you remember, it was in the early 90s, so, you know, there was nobody, very few people did Ashtanga. There was no internet, there was nothing. There was no information, there was no video. You couldn't go online and look what it was. Or what. So... I decided to go to India, you know, I said, okay, well, I've heard good things about that, that master. And so I just went there. I just had the name, no address, no phone, nothing. You know, I just had the name and a city, Mysore, Patabichos. Okay. So I went there and then, um, 
I ask a rickshaw driver, you know, do you know that man is teaching yoga? And oh yeah, yeah, come, come. And then he, he brought me in his rickshaw to Lakshmi Puram, where Patavijo was living. And then I knocked on the door, and then this old woman opened the door, and I asked about, you know, Joyce, and she said, oh, I'm his wife. And uh, he went to the market shopping. Uh, I didn't know he was married. You know, in my head, he was a yogi, so I thought he was not married or anything. I didn't know anything about him. And then uh, we sat, we had the tea or coffee, I think. And then we, we just talked a little bit. And then half an hour later, I see that old man coming on his moped, you know, with his helmet on and, uh, you know, the vegetable in a bag. And I was just like, wow, this is the yoga teacher. You know, I had all those thoughts in my head about what, you know, kind of the yoga master should look like. And it was nothing like that, you know. So anyway, um, you know, he, he was he was smiling. He was very friendly. And so we talked a little bit and he asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, I've been learning yoga with a book. And, and he just laughed. He just went, ha, 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 you cannot learn yoga with a book, you know, he said. So he, he said, okay, come tomorrow morning and watch a class. and." Um, then you, you can decide if you want to, if you want to study. So five, five o'clock next morning, you know, I went to, to the, the Shala, to the, to the school. And then, um, there was a few people at the time, maybe six or seven, you know, Westerners, only Westerners. And, uh, he told me to sit and to watch. And I, I was just like, wow, I had never seen anything like that, you know, because what I was doing was more Shivalanda, so very soft yoga. You do a shavasana in between pose, and there was this sound, this breathing sound. Everybody was sweating like crazy and uh, doing like incredible things. And you had this old man going from this one to that one, you know, pushing this one, pulling that one, you know. I, I looked for like two hours, and I was just like, "This is crazy." So at the end of the at the end of the show, he asked me, "So are you interested? Do you want to try?" I said, yeah, 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 sure, I want to try. Okay, come back tomorrow morning, five o'clock, and you start. So next morning, five o'clock, I went there, and then um, I did maybe like a um, couple of sun salutation A, sun salutation B, and maybe he taught me like four or five poses of the standing poses, and then he said, okay, it's enough, you know, enough for today. And I was just like a bit frustrated, you know, because I had paid that quite big amount of money for like, uh, you know, 25 minutes of yoga and everybody else was doing two hours or more. So I was a bit frustrated, but then I understood that, you know, Ashtanga was a different kind of practice and you had to learn it, you know, bit by bit, because on top of that, I thought I was, you know, after my couple of years of self-practice, I thought I was, you know, getting better, but nothing compared to, you know, to what the Ashtanga practice requires. So. So wasn't it, was, wasn't it that, that first time, Gerald, that you had the story of um Joy sitting down with you and putting you into Lotus? Was that was that the first time you, you practiced with him or did that come a little bit later? But fairly early on, right? The first time. The first time. So I, I did, as I said, the sun salute and maybe like a five, six uh, sunset, um, standing poses. And at the end, he said, okay, sit down, enough for today. Sit down and uh, do Lotus. Take Padmasana. I'm just like, well, uh, I cannot, I've never done Padmasana. And he screamed at me, he said, take Padmasana. I was just like, okay. So I did a really bad notice. And then he comes behind me and he pushed, he put all his weight on me and he pushed me forward, you know, and my knees, both my knees were pop, 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 pop. And I was like, oh my God, first class, he broke my knees, you know. 
And then I stood up, you know, I, I came back up, I removed my legs, you know, and I was like, oh my God, my knees. And then miracle happened. Uh, nothing was broken. It was just like a, an express opening of the knees, you know, but uh, it was really scary, you know, because um, as I said, I was, um, I was not a very uh, flexible person and um, I was, I was a bit scared by the, uh, by the experience, but in the end, you know, after that, no, nothing years, happened, just walked away and you were fine. No, no problem with the knees. Yeah. I guess I limped a little bit. <laughs> I probably limped a little bit for a few days, you know, but uh, nothing was broken, you know. It was just amazing that actually nothing was broken. I was, uh, I was quite scared on the on the moment, you know. But you I... went back the next day. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I went back the next day, yeah. <laughs> and the next, and the next, and I never missed a practice actually, you know. During the whole time I was in Mysore, not once I, I missed the practice. You know, sometimes I had the knees that were swollen, you know, depending on what I was doing as a pose. Or sometimes, you know, you have back pain, sometimes you have this, that. But I, I always went because I thought the practice was kind of healing at the same time. You know, it was hard, you know, sometimes it was painful. But I could feel that inside there was some good coming out of all that. So, mm. yeah, no, I never mm. I, I think it's always really interesting for people to hear the earlier days of mice or well, still in the Lakshmipuram Shala with Patabi Joyce. And how did you, I mean, I know you spent kind of, you know, we went back again and again and spent good chunks of time there. How long did you spend there and, and how did things evolve? Like, was it an, you said an express opening of the knees, was it ever after much easier for your hips? So can you say anything else about your time there and how long you were there and flesh it out a little bit for people? Cause they love hearing. Yeah. That stuff. I, uh... I, usually I used to go, when I went there, I used to go for like long periods between four and six months. You know, I always arrange, you know, to go there, learn, learn part of the series. Like the first time I went there, I stayed four months. I learned the primary series, you know, that I was doing not very good, I guess. But then for one, one and a half year, I practiced by myself, you know, so I improved. I practiced every day, almost every day. I improved. And then the second time I went there, you know, I asked him if I could start the second series. So he said, oh, okay. So, you know, he saw my practice. He saw that I had worked on it and I had improved. So I started second series and I probably did like half of second series on my second trip, you know. And then I would go away, practice what, I, what he had taught me, you know. And then when I thought that, okay, that seems kind of okay, I would go back and learn some more, you know. So I did that for like... From 91 to 98, you know, I probably mm. did like six trips, like extended trips, I think like mm. yeah, four to six months. And, and then the mentors of the teachers would... like Ron and, and Eddie, but you just had Patabi Joyce as a teacher or were you going back to Europe and having another Western teacher back in Europe or just practicing on your own? At the time, I, just, uh, I was just studying with, with uh, Patabi and Jura, you know, I didn't mm. have any... Uh, any other teacher, but you know, in Mysore at the time, you know, you practice in the morning and then in the afternoon, you know, we would meet, you know, either at the pool or what we used to do is to do kirtan. We had a little house, you know, we used to do kirtan. People would come over, we would sing, we would eat together and we would talk about yoga, you know. So, you know, sometimes you turn, talk about, you know, the philosophy or posture or whatever, you know. So although I didn't study with other teachers, like Western teachers, you know, I would still get some information, you know, about different things. You know, I met Chuck and Marty. I met, you know, like very, 
you know, famous teacher there. So, you know, you, you would get some information, you would talk, you know, about different things, right? But at that the time, is really no, very interesting, actually. Anybody. Yeah, that, yeah, because uh, maybe we did it a little bit latterly, you know, when I was there more in the 2000s. But it's really interesting to hear that, yeah, you would kind of get to get all these teachers would get together. And obviously, they're generally, they were more advanced teachers and they would kind of share information, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, mm. because as I said, as, as we have quite a bit of time, you know, what, mm. what we do uh, at the time is uh, I, I used to cook a lot, you know, so I, w I would cook and, um, you know, do a meal and then we would invite people over, you know, so we would have like extended meal, you know, for lunch and then talk about different things, you know, and share, share things. So that was, uh, that was nice. I just like being back in France again. Were you, um, were you cooking like a fr French cordon bleu? With a little bit of wine and you know no no no, no at the time I was, I was i was doing a lot of chapati you know i i had learned how to make chapati you know and uh, uh, so we, we had like chapati plate and uh, basically you know it was rice and dal and chapati and vegetables you know i mean we were vegetarians and uh, you know basically the, the meal was pretty much always not the same but you know very very often it was just the basic you know, and I remember Patabi, um, I had asked him how to get more strong and he had told me you have to eat 10 chapatis a day or something like this, you know. So I was into doing those chapatis, you know, rolling the chapatis and to try to get uh, stronger, you know, so. The rolling and the eating in both, both cases, the making and the eating of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And what were you doing in that? I mean, I, I've never kind of asked you what you were doing in the, in the, in Europe to, you know, were you working in Europe when you went back as well, or you just spent time practicing, Actually, teaching? I, I left like uh, like eighty seven with a friend of right. mine. You know, I I'm, I had been doing different jobs. You know, like selling insurance or working in a laboratory photo. You know, like developing film at night. I, I did um, quite a, a few jobs here and there, but there was nothing really pulling me. You know, and then um, I had my um, my good friend Manu, which is my uh, childhood friend, you know, from five years old, you know, we, we grew up in the same street and uh, hang out together. And then uh, at the time too, he, he was working in a computer, but he was tired of his job. So we decided to, to take a backpack, you know, and to travel to Asia, you know, uh, both of us. So that's what we did. And uh, after a couple of months, we separated. And uh, that's when I started to, um, experiment with yoga you know i discovered yoga and then um you know i was uh, i was hooked with that and then i would come back to to europe and uh, i would do some business you know i had met a french guy who was selling like gem gemstones you know mm. in thailand in bangkok and what i would do is i would buy some gems and try to sell them back in france you know to friends and family and then get a little bit of money and then up go back to um you know, to Asia. And then after, after that, I discovered Patabi. When I, when I went back to Asia, it was to go back to India and to, to learn yoga. And then after a mm. couple of years of doing yoga, I started to do workshops, you know, like in uh, Australia, New Zealand and stuff like that. So a little workshop here and there to uh, finance the, the, you know, the trips. Okay, let's let's move back on to Linda again and and, uh, and Linda's journey because Linda 
is a Canadian national, as, as I mentioned, I think, and ended up in Paris somehow, I think for the work originally, right? And then kind of like changed and became a yoga teacher and started off teaching very early on, actually, on the Paris Ashtanga scene, pretty much one of the only people I can think that was teaching Ashtanga at that time in Paris. So do you want to kind of tell us a little bit more about that period of your life in starting up Ashtanga in Paris and how you started? Well, it was pretty crazy because uh, the basically the moment I stopped working in fashion, the next day, the next week, I was already teaching classes. There was one um, yoga school that was teaching Ashtanga and I was teaching there. And I had met this American woman who opened, she was teaching um integral yoga and uh, she had just opened her little place so I was like would you be interested in having ashtanga here and so I was teaching there and then all the English speakers um, who were living in Paris they wanted yoga classes because I think that was 2002 and this is really when I think there was a big shift like like you were saying before that um, there was small groups of people doing like when I was practicing at Eddie's, it was in an office building, you know, it was just like some room. It was a terrible room. In fact, there was a one window with a brick wall that was like this far from the window, you know, a big pillar in the middle. The bathrooms were uh, outside, you know, everybody was using the bathrooms from the, it was really not a very pretty room at all. There was no changing area. You just, you know, changed in the back of the room. Um, um, but then around 2000, 2002, this is when started, things started to shift. And so, yeah, so a lot of people became interested. And so it was very quite, I would, you know, it sounds terrible to say that, but it was quite easy to get, you know, like people were asking me for yoga classes. Um, so I found myself though traveling all over Paris, you know, from this place to that place. And I did this for two years. In between, I went to you know India for three months. I would go to New York. Uh, I went. I did a teacher training with um, David Swenson in Vancouver. You know, I did a lot of different travels during that time. Um, but then it was getting tiring because it, you spend so much time in the metro, you know, or sitting in a cafe waiting for the next class and, and all that. So I was just like, okay, I think I need to just find a little room and have people come to me. So I, uh, I was telling one of my yoga students that I was thinking of starting to look for a space so that people could come to me instead. And she was like, oh, I'm renovating the atelier in the garden. She had an artist atelier. And I'm like, seriously? She's yeah, 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 come. And she showed me it. And so that was, I think, in like December. And then she, it was finished and I opened on February 14th, you know, so it, I really didn't even have to look for a space. So I ended up looking at one space just out of curiosity, but as I had, and, you know, I was a foreigner living in France, so, you know, it's not, and kind of like an unemployed person, you know, and so buying or uh, renting a space in Paris isn't really very easy. You have to have a lot of money to do this. And since she was somebody I knew, she just gave it to me. I didn't have to pay all this uh, extra fees that you would normally have to pay. 
And so that was 2004, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. And I remember I opened that first day and I had a full class. I was like so happy. And, um, but at the time I was only doing Mysore classes. And so I had 12 classes on the schedule. So evenings and weekends and mornings and slowly people were like, Oh, you know, like after work, I really just want to be told what to do. I don't want to have to think for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so then let's give some guided classes. And then after a while, you know, it's always the same things, always Ashtanga, same poses. Okay, well, let's do some vinyasa classes, you know. Slowly, slowly, things just kind of evolved like that to where... You know, and then that studio was filled and Gerald ended up moving to Paris and then we, you know, moved to another one and then that got filled, you know, I remember in that Japanese. Where, where was your first, the, where was your first one? Where, where did you start off? It where was, was that um, first studio? Place Italy, near right. Place kind of... Italy in the 13th arrondissement. Mm. Okay, right. Yeah. So yeah, fairly, fairly central. There's a big, yeah. uh, there's a big Chinese community there. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice right. area and uh, it was really, I loved it there. But then when we needed to leave there, you know, we couldn't find a place in the same area. So then we moved to the 11th and, um, but this was nice too. And in the 11th, we found that place that was a little Japanese garden. You know, we've been very lucky. In fact, you know, we found always these because as you're, you know, when you're a yoga teacher and you're from a creative background, you know, you're always willing to have something very unusual. And in France, you know, people like those very typical kind of buildings. And for us, you know, for me, I love something very different, not, you know, not typical. So we always found these very unusual places. So we had this place that had a Japanese garden and all the old Japanese doors, those sliding doors. Would, yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. People would come and they would be like, oh, my grandmother in Japan, this is what her apartment used to look like. Yeah, so oh, wow. this was really beautiful. Right. Where are you now? So I guess and you moved out there, right? Killed. Yeah, yeah, because... Uh, they, they were getting frustrated because there was so many people coming and in the garden, there was always people coming back and forth. So, you know, at some point uh, it was just like, okay, I think we can't teach here anymore. It's, you know, we had too many classes and too many people in the classes. And so, yeah, so then we had to find like a real commercial space. And that's when we found where we are now, in fact, you know, because before that it was really more, they were, you were allowed to work there, but they were more artistic places, photographers or designers, you know, things like this. Um, but after we got to a certain, the yoga was becoming so popular that we, we really needed a place where, you know, nobody's going to be upset that there's lots of people coming and going. So that's where we are now. We're still behind, like we've always been not on the street, you know, so kind of behind and uh, more discreet. And so it's quite nice because you're in your little, you know, hideout and behind the big, busy streets of Paris. And, and whereabouts fact, is that? I need, I need to know because I'm actually cool. coming to see you next year. So you're going to give me some directions. 
Parmentier, between Parmentier and République, those two metros. Yeah, Avenue de, de la République. Sorry for okay. my French. It's a, it's a big avenue. <laughs> yeah, it's a big avenue, but behind, and it was an old uh, factory, in fact. So it's quite interesting, too. You know, it's, uh, and um, along those lines, Linda, with your um, correction there, the accent, which is uh, very, very difficult. Um, to learn French as a foreigner, you've always taught in English, or have you taught? Yeah. Do you teach in French as well? Yeah, right. I <laughs> no, I really. When you know, because in fact, when I first started teaching, I was teaching to English people, and or people who were foreigners, and they learned yoga elsewhere, and you know, they were totally okay doing um, English speaking classes. Lots of French people. There's all these, uh, you know, stereotypes of French people not speaking English. I find it totally unfounded. <laughs> you know, I find that French people speak really good English. I'm totally yeah, impressed. I agree. Yeah. Not like mm. when I first came to Paris in the early 90s, it was different. But in the 2000s, you know, and especially young people, they have a really good level of English. They might be shy, people are shy or whatever, but you know, so, and then when we started, then when Gerald came, well, he was teaching in French, I was teaching in English, and then we started hiring teachers, so they were teaching in French. So it kind of just became where, okay, I teach in English because, uh, you know, I teach better in English, of course. Everybody's going to teach better in their um, native language uh, unless you are really gifted at languages. And that's me. <laughs> I do not have that gift in languages. Gerald has this gift. But uh, yes. me, no. no, he's really good at languages. But for me, it's just like I get stumped, you know, when I try to speak mm, like mm. Sanskrit. I've done so many Sanskrit studies and still, you know, <laughs> it's just like, I still like, what's the name of that pose? They all start with P. Why do they all start with the same letter? So it's just not and my I've, gift. I've, and, I uh, forgot to ask how, how you met in the first place. I think people would like to know that. Like, where did you meet in France or yeah. or abroad in, in India? Uh, no, we, we did meet in France uh, because, as I said, I was um, I was living in uh, in India at the time. After after being in my so many times, I moved to this um, community uh, next to Pondicherry called Oroville, you know, which um, which is uh, like an international community. And I was um, I was teaching there for like a couple of years, actually maybe four or five years. And then um, <clears throat> I was coming back to visit my family from time to time, you know, because my mom was still alive, you know. So every like year and a half, two years, you know, I would go back to France to to say hi and, and you know to spend some time with my mom and uh, family. And um, I knew somebody in Paris who uh, had a, an Ashtanga studio. So um, when, I, when I went back to France, um, I would contact that person and ask her if uh, she would be interested uh, for me to give classes in her studio. And um, she, she said yes. And um, Linda was a student there. She was, uh, she was uh, uh, studying with um, 
in that studio. So that's. I was studying in the studio. They didn't have Mysore classes. They didn't have Mysore classes. So when he came, there was some Mysore classes. I was like, yes, uh, there's a Mysore teacher. Yeah. Okay, so you so went, just you, went to okay. your class. Yeah. Okay. So you, you went to the studio regularly. Okay. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Terrell, so, I've got to remember the details here. Yeah. <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> right. And do you teach? Have you, do, have you teach together in the or or do you run separate classes? Gerald does the French part, you know the English part, or do you teach at the same time? Teach workshops together and teach right, right. You do, together. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, But then, um, what was really weird is that you know because I found out that we've been in New York at the same time. Mm, you know, yeah. even at some of the same events and probably practicing in the yeah. same room together. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember after, you know, like, yeah, the people, you know, after practice would whisper, so-and-so was there, so-and-so was there. And I remember after like, yeah, him and his ex were there and we, we talked about some, you know, events that we realized we were both there. Um, and then after when I, so he, I met him when I was still working in fashion. And then when I decided to, you know, start teaching, I remembered, oh yeah, that guy, where was that? He lived in, <laughs> in India. So I went there before going to Mysore, in fact. So then I practiced with him there. Mm. And so that's ah, kind of Sherry. how we, right. you know, yeah, in, in Oroville. And, yeah, Oroville, um, yeah, yeah. And then we started, corresponding long distance, uh, you know, talking more and, you know, because he was the teacher. And, you know, and then we just, uh, you know, just started talking and then visiting. And before you know it, he's moving to Paris and we're getting married. We're having kids and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It all went like, yeah. you know, before you, his life is, uh, is moving on, right? So, I think, you know, Linda, you bring up an interesting point there that um, I didn't really consider this, but you're married and your yoga teachers together, you both teach, like, um, and that's a quite, it's uh, fairly unusual, really. I mean, I can't really imagine me and my wife both being teachers. That would be a catastrophe, I think. So well, my next question is, how, how is your, how is your, you know, who is the teacher or do you both teach each other or what have you learned from each other? Is there anything you could say about, you know, your path as you've met each other and how that your ideas have rubbed off on each other or haven't? Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I guess at first, um, you know, for me, he was a real Mysore style teacher, which I hadn't had in Paris. And so for a couple of years, I was practicing my own or going and traveling and practicing with other teachers elsewhere. Um, and what was, I guess, kind of rubbed off was the, his experience of Mysore, you know, like hearing all his experiences and yeah. And then I was taking his classes, you know, like I, I really like practicing with a group, 
You know, I, I don't know, like I traveled all around the United States with my old job and you're always practicing alone in a hotel room with a carpet or, you know, going to the gym and people of the, you know, they're doing weird things in the gym. Um, and personally, I really love that environment of being with other people and having a teacher and the teacher giving adjustments. And so um, I was always practicing in his class so that I felt like I was always a student. I wouldn't say that I feel like, okay, he's my teacher because after once you are married and you had enough fights and, you know, all the normal relationship stuff, it's not like, you know, you're, you know, you, you don't have a, him as my teacher, but for sure, I like to be in the presence of a teacher and he's always adjusting me and helping me and, you know, this was um, important to, for me to have that. Mm. And I practice too. Uh, sometimes, you know, I was practicing in her class and, uh, you know, we, we switched too. And um, she, she learned a lot about the philosophy and stuff like that, you know. So I, um, I learned a lot from her because she's doing the presentation, you know, in the, in the teacher's training, for example, you know, about, you know, the the yoga sutras and the philosophy and stuff like that. So it's good. You know, it's, uh, I always feel like I, I'm learning something, you know, like anatomy too. She's really good at anatomy. So, you know, all the stuff that I'm not like, um, you know, super, super duper, you know, uh, I, I learned from her, you know, so it's, uh, it's interesting. It's uh, nice. And Gerald, how is yeah, your, I'm, how's your approach? <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Linda? What I'm a big uh, thinker. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that there's mm. a good complementary uh, kind of a, you know characteristics and and uh, approach between you two actually. Um, I want to ask you next. Uh, what what uh, what has changed over the years for you, Gerald, in your in in terms of your approach to teaching or approach to the to the yoga practice even? Well, um, the practice now, you know, um. My, in my early 60s, so, you know, obviously I don't practice the way I used to like 30 years ago when I, when I learned it. So it's more like, um, you know, I practice more slowly. It's more like Tai Chi, you know, like uh, very slow. I, I'm a slow person to start with, you know, like she always say, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm the slow traffic, you know, so I practice very slowly. And um, so I don't do, I don't usually do the whole sequence, you know, I don't do all the vinyasa. But I keep, you know, I try to keep a, a balance between like strength and endurance and flexibility because, you know, I think it's important to have mobility in the joint as you grow old, you know, because we all know that, you know, the aging process is, uh, you know, can be a bit hard. So I try to, I try to keep, you know, when I do a practice, I try to do a little bit, you know, of course I do my sun salutation, my, you know, standing poses. And then I try to, to balance, you know, the, um, the other exercise, you know, to have some twists, to have some like half loaders, to have, you know, hip opening, back bending, inversion, you know, but it, it depends, you know, some, so I'm not in my own practice, I'm not like traditional, you know, like, you know, when I mean, it's just like, clack, 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 clack. it's for me, I, I view the, the, the series more like, um, you know, like, uh, when you learn piano, you learn to do some, some exercise, you know, and you, you, you work on the exercise until you can do them really well. 
So for me, the the, the series it's a, it's a little bit like that. You know, you learn you learn the series, you learn the practice, you learn the asanas. But then once you know it's been like a long time, you've been doing it, then you can write your own music in some ways. You know, so this is this is more the the, the way I view it. You know, I teach traditionally. You know, I like I like to keep the the you know the the format of the of the the series. I think it's a very good format. But for myself, I, I explore a little more, you know, I change a little bit, you know, I do different variations of asanas and stuff like that, you know. But, you know, still keeping a dynamic practice and uh, still, you know, with the breath and the vinyasa and stuff like that, but less, uh, less, um, you know, less uh, forceful than uh, obviously when I was, uh, I was uh, younger, you know. I usually do like one, one and a half hour you know, like probably like five times a week, four or five times a week, you know. So it keeps me keeps me fit, you know. And usually I'm in a pretty pretty good health, you know. And um, yeah. And in my teaching, yeah, as I said, I'm I'm more like a traditional teacher, you know, so I try not to change the the, the format of the series. And I think it's important for people to learn, you know, the 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 series as they are, and then after that, you know, yeah. If they want, you know, when they do practice at home or whatever, they can do whatever they want. But I think it's important yeah. to keep the some structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All sounds very, very reasonable, Gerald. Um, and Linda, I mean, how has it changed for you over the years after kind of setting you hated it at the start? Have you grown to like it a little bit more over the years? The practice. I mean, it's true. Another point yeah. that Linda made early on is that the the fact that you do a, a full primary, you know, in the early days when you, when you first learned it, it really was like, oh, here's your full primary class. I mean, obviously, Gerald learned it at Mysore where it was introduced step by step as a Mysore practice. But well, we learned it in the West and uh, Linda and I learned in the West, first of all, um, you just learned the, probably the whole primary one go. And that was your introduction, really. a baptism, We say a baptism of fire. <laughs> but anyway, how has it changed, Linda? Yeah, and you're lost the whole time you just feel like you're totally. you know where am i trying to catch up yeah 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 what's next oh just trying to get that one that's one oh you lost that one yeah and then you can't read yeah. the next day you know i remember sitting in my desk in my office like better not bend forward because my abs would be so sore i had to make sure it certainly gave me good posture um yeah, I don't know how things changed um, because it changes very slowly, you know, like, again, you know, as I got quite quickly into the self-practice, um, I thought everybody should do self-practice, you know, but um, not recognizing that, you know, maybe some people never want to do self-practice or people like to be, have this, like, you know, you know, you're kind of holding them and keeping them secure by giving them some guided practice. I would say, like, and basically, our dog's trying to get out. Come on, come on. Right. Um, yeah, and so, and because quite early I started studying the Yoga Sutras and Buddhism, so I feel like it's my teaching has always been influenced by the philosophy. You know, it's never, you know, I, I guess the first, for, you know, at some point I was getting maybe too much into achieving asanas. 
you know, like, you know, like all of us go through this period of time where it's just like, you know, you're driven to be able to uh, complete that series or, you know, achieve that asana. And so for a short time, I was definitely like everybody else, you know, going too much and trying too hard and, you know, all this, but it was part of my growing up process. But I would say generally the yoga has always been more about a lifestyle, you know, and really when I'm on my yoga mat, seeing where am I today? How am I feeling? Where, you know, am I present? Is my mind going off? Is my breathing um, smooth? Uh, am I comparing? Am I being mean to myself? You know, all these kind of things that we, we often do to ourselves, but in the normal day-to-day, day-to-day life, we don't take the time to actually see how our inner dialogue is going about. Whereas on the yoga mat, you have that chance to really see, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm disappointed in myself because yesterday I could do that and today I can't and, or I'm getting obsessed by my big toe hurting or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, Oh, that person over there is going too far. You know, I, I must say that I didn't have a lot of that because in, in Eddie's place, it was pretty concentrated. And, um, most of the time I was completely unaware of the people around me so much so that I have a very funny story because, uh, I was in Prasaritas you know, the forward bends, those prasaritas. And I would be right behind me. There was a woman doing prasarita C, you know, with the arms over the head like this. And so I just saw her arms in the back of her head. And, you know, I was still a fashion person. This is like, uh, you know, I wasn't a muscly person. And I remember seeing her arms and she had these big, strong arms. And what ran through my head was, Oh God, I hope my arms never look like that. And then she looks up and she gets up and it was Madonna. Really? <laughs> so, oh, that's a brilliant yes. story. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. This Madonna for, you know, until then, and I hadn't even recognized like who I was beside. So I would say I wasn't really too much into the comparison because I was already had so much of that in the fashion world, you know, looking at models and you never got the right body. You never have the right face. You never have the right hair. And, you know, so when I was in yoga, this was really the time to just be in me. Um, so I would say not like, so I don't know, like to say how much has changed. It's more that I've gotten refined at it. Do you see what I mean? Like Mm. I was always quite, because I started with Ron, who was an Iyengar, you know, did Iyengar for years before doing Ashtanga. So I was quite already into having a certain amount of alignment. And as I said, I was already studying the philosophy and doing some meditation. So, and then I got more into anatomy and it's just like, it just grew and grew and grew where I felt like I was getting more and more understanding of the subtleties of you know the body the mind like on a cellular level the the breath and this very subtle way of moving through the world and on all different the mind body 
you know, not just mm, the body. Mm, absolutely. So, no, I, I do and so now I think get, my get that. Reflects, mm. Yeah. And so now I would say my teaching reflects this, but I, I have to also say that it also brings confusion, you know, like as a new teacher, I didn't know very much. So it was easy just to put everything in a box and try to put everybody in that box. But then after, when you get to have more information, I would be confused. Like, should I put them in the box? Should I like let them, you know, explore? Them out of the box. And yeah. And Absolutely. then all yeah. this new mm. came about, you know, consent and, and all that. And so this has put me in a different place. And now I'm studying psychology, which is a lot. There's a lot of rules between a therapist and a client. And so this is what comes to mind now is how to have that, you know, like that comfort of being a teacher you know, somebody's there for you, but also listening to that person and allowing them that freedom to explore. Right. Yeah. And so this, yeah. I feel like it makes a more, you know, you're getting more involved with the student that you need to have, um, like this connection with the students so that they feel, I always want the students to be able to come to me and say, Linda, I don't want to do more. Or Linda, I want to try this. Or, you know, today I'm just exhausted. I just need to go through the movements, even if it's really sloppy. Um, today I want to practice handstands, even though, you know, I'm going to do 10 handstands, you know. You know, and I want to have this freedom for people to be able to come to me and feel like they can have that discussion with me without me just blocking them and saying, this is the practice, just do it as I say. You know, yeah. this kind of yeah. thing. So I say that's where I am at now. Yeah. I think that's a whole other interesting conversation that we've just kind of come to at the end of the of the podcast, unfortunately, because it is a really interesting conversation. You put your finger on another amazing point actually that Yes, uh, as well as yoga being kind of just more mainstream, so therefore you can have a kind of normal life and, you know, a, a kind of daily practice and that's kind of very normal now. As well as that, there's this there's this factor of autonomy in the yoga class now. And, you know, I think in the early days, you know, when you first met Gerald and when I started, the teacher was the authority in the room and you just did what you were told. And there was no discussion. And, uh, there was, you know, it was either you do that or you don't go to the class, really, you know. Um, and now there's, you know, as you say, uh, the shift really was, it was happening before, but the shift, you know, definitely with the Me Tooism and, you know, and just, just recent times, really, you know, in the last few years, we've seen a real shift. And, and I think for the better in, in, the, in the paradigm of the yoga teacher relationship to student you know and how that's kind of evolved to be much more as you say a discussion uh, and less top down and pedagogical and more you know uh, you know a kind of just a more nuanced and reasonable relationship between between the student and the teacher so it's not just you know you go to the class and get told what to do it's rather the teacher's kind of facilitating allowing space and and kind of much, much more interesting in a way for the teacher as well as the student in fact because the relationship is so much more you know, kind of textured rather than just like, well, okay, I'm telling you to do this and you do do this rather than like, you know, like how can we work together to, to, to you know, to draw the best out of, of not only my relationship with you, but you know, what, what, what the students doing on the mat, obviously themselves, you know? And so, yeah, that's a, a wonderful, a wonderful reflection to, to end with really. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I always end, uh, you know, and just, uh, just for fun with a, a, a silly question, really, um, as we're doing the podcast um, here today, what's, uh, give me, uh, just to end, Gerald, a guilty pleasure that you have. One guilty pleasure. Being French, you've probably got a lot of, a lot of guilty pleasures there. Um, and, and same, same for you, Linda, after Gerald was disclosed his, you can, uh, you can, you can uh, join. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess being French, I would say food. Yeah, I, I have a sweet tooth. I like I like sweet things, you know. And um, yeah, a good cake, you know, pastry or stuff like that. Um, yeah, for me, it's uh, yeah, it's enjoyable, you know. Like oh yesterday, yes, you know, we have in France that you know, Loire, Loire, Loire. It's still the time of Loire. Yeah, yeah, Galette de Loire with the the fave inside, and uh, you know the uh, frangipane, you know, like almond paste and. This I really I really enjoyed. So yesterday we I I bought a really good one and uh, we 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 shared that together and uh, yeah this is one of my guilty pleasure I guess yeah food. Ah, mm. oh, well, I and share me? that with you perfectly. Uh, having been in France, God, that galette de Roi, I love that. And always the little figures you get in the in the cake as well. I've got loads of those little figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Little... Yeah. Mm. yeah. And Linda? My guilty pleasure. I don't know. Should I really reveal it? <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you have to now. Mine, I would say that... <laughs> yeah, I would say that it's really terrible to say, say this, but it's all these like um, true crime stories, you know, okay. the documentary. Right. You're not the first. Like me and my daughter, you know, like. Yeah, like, ah, uh, you know, like these murders. And, and sometimes I'm asking myself, why do I watch this stuff? Because it, it also freaks me out, you know, it makes you nervous and everything. But there's something about the mind and the human mind. And why do these people do this kind of thing? And, you know, so I really have this, like, when I, when I just want to, it sounds strange, but just relax and do nothing. I'll watch like, uh, you know, a Netflix special on some, you know, like the Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, <laughs> like me and my daughter watch this, you know, so it's like the girls like, you know, sitting down and watching these killer movies. Um, so yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not alone. As I say, many people actually, a number of people have come forward and confessed to that one. So I don't share it. I would probably go with Gerald and his, uh, his gata doa, but, um, nevertheless, you know, you're not alone there, Linda. So, um, very, very, um, fascinating interview with you both. And, um, I just want to say thanks again from Keenan Yoga for taking the time to come on. And, uh, I really, really enjoyed on the third time we, we got this podcast in the bag. We tried two other times for, for everyone. Yeah. And, uh, finally, finally we managed to, to make it through. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's really nice to chat with you yes, and you. we can't wait to see you in AYP in the spring. This will be nice. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to coming. Um, and you can find uh, details about Gerald and Linda and what they're doing in the notes below. So uh, look out for those. Uh, they run a bunch of different things, both in Paris and I think on the uh, the, uh, the south coast of France, right? So you can find those in, the, in, the, in our notes. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, both of you. Thanks. Thank you.